Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Amit Man. Rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platforms and on YouTube. Like and subscribe there as well. Let's talk about some of these shooters along with a few of the guys that, well, I don't know, that are kind of gaining interest with the Toronto Raptors. So the number 13 pick, we know the deal with that. Could they move up? Maybe. Could they trade OG Ananobi or Pascal Siaka? Maybe. But we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff with Corey Teleba. No ceilings NBA. You guys have been very good to us throughout this process. So thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. As to, you guys have been uh, good to us as well. So uh, the feeling's mutual. And we're, you know, we're, we're always excited to hop on and discuss the draft 24 7 365 that's what we do at no ceilings oh beautiful does it seem like there's more rumors this year um than there typically are i don't know it feels like there's just like a lot of chaos (laughs) (laughs) i think that there is a lot of chaos i think maybe some of the reasons that the rumors are are picking up a little bit obviously uh the new cba i think maybe is forcing teams to, you know, think about their roster building. Um, And then a bunch of teams just have like multiple picks that they just can't, they can't use all of them. So like, you know, that there's going to be movement on draft night, just based on the fact that like a team that has five draft picks, isn't rostering all five picks there. Those picks are going to be on the move in in some way or form or fashion. So uh, yeah, I think draft night is going to be chaos to be completely (laughs) honest. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Toronto Raptors. I mean, what I'm kind of gathering from, I guess, the rumors you could say is that they might have a player in mind, but they're not sure if they're going to be available at 13. Um, but then if they can't move up and if they want to move up, that would probably mean they have to trade one of their roster players or something like that is going to be happening. And I don't know if they want to do that because they like their guys. They're very, very, very loyal. They're like family, familia, if you will. <laughs> um, but if they end up staying at 13, we'll talk about both possibilities, but um, let's start with some of the movement shooters. Uh, I think we, I don't need to tell any person who has watched the Toronto Raptors why they could use a shooter. And there are two guys that stand out right now who the Raptors have been linked to, along with many other teams. It's Grady Dick and Jordan Hawkins. Let's start with Grady. How NBA ready do you think his shooting is? I'll put it, I'll start there. I mean, the shooting's NBA ready. Like yeah. yesterday. Uh that's what he does. He's a he's a shooter. You know what I mean? Like he's mm-hmm. six eight, he's got a high release, smooth shot. Um, I mean, he's been a really good shooter everywhere that he's been um he was a great shooter at kansas this year like this is just a dude who is going to come in and at the very least you know his one elite skill that he offers to an nba team and Mm -hmm. that's shooting a a lot of guys you know the jack of all trades kind of guys you're like oh yeah but what do they do at an elite level grady has that he is an elite nba shooter 40 percent from three um 85 percent from the line like you know the outside of the 40 percent the 85 percent from the free throw line that's a really encouraging sign too for like how he projects as a shooter in the long term. That's those are the kind of markers that elite guys get to. So shooting, there's un, he's unquestionably ready to shoot from day one. 
That's a beautiful thing. Uh, Darko, we know um, what he's been talking about over the past, like, you know, week or so since he's been introduced. And a lot of it has been about, you know, development. It's about players accepting roles and getting players to accept those roles in the the greater perspective of, of the team. And what's cool about Grady is like, I know who I am. So how do you guys want to fit me in? And uh, obviously there are some things that he could probably do a little bit better as he continues to hone his skills and be more of a threat in the NBA. But the shooting is already there and that's a great sign. And at 6'8", high release, he doesn't need much time to get it off. Um, he relocates really well. His sidesteps, transition threes, it's all kind of there for him. But how soon do you think he'll be able to, when he does get chased off the line, how quickly will he be able to make those fast decisions where, he, okay, maybe he's got to make a pocket pass. Okay, maybe he's got to drive to the lane. And he's got to finish over a NBA big, not necessarily college big. Do you think that's probably his future, but how quickly can that happen? When he does get run off the line, I think the thing that he does really well is step into like a one or two dribble, like mid-range pull-up. Um, you know, like, you know, usually these three point shooters, you don't really think of their like in between game as a big part of it. But I do think that he has this really, really advanced one, two dribble pull up where like Mm -hmm. he could be off balance. He could be like fading a lot of times he'll, you know, go left, fade to the left. And because he's so, um, you know, uh, confident as a shooter, he, he could shoot it, uh, it over defenders and it, it's repeatable. It's smooth. I think he could bring that. That's, that's easy. He's been doing that all the time. I think the passing, I mean, he got better throughout the course of the year. I don't think that he is a very high level playmaker passer kind of guy. Um, maybe mm-hmm. the NBA spacing will help him, but I think that one of the things that he does struggle with and he struggled with dating back to high school is, uh, you know, the athleticism of, you know, and strength of defenders. And I think that, having to make quicker reads in the midst of guys being able to, you know, reach over quicker, get to spots quicker. I think that's going to be a work in progress. I don't ever really foresee him being a guy who's like a guy you would say is a plus passer in the sense that like, he's going to run like high ball screens or anything like that. Yeah. But uh, I I think that as a connective piece, he has that potential, but I do think that's something that is going to take a little bit more time than, you know, the, the shooting is where he can come in and, and knock down a couple of shots, get hot really quick. Yeah. And that's going to be probably his biggest asset. And that's going to be the reason why probably he's going to at least carve out some sort of role off the bench at the very least on whatever team he plays for. Um, it's cool that the things that he's doing and things that he's running right now in college are going to be pretty similar probably to what he might do with the Toronto Raptors. Like you think about like a blind pig situation where you have a big uh, at the elbow, it's a, it's a backdoor cut or it's uh, maybe someone's uh, top locking you, you go back door or maybe it's uh, the other way around and he has to come around a screen and, you know, getting downhill with that athleticism may take a little bit of honing necessarily, but um, you can project that he's going to probably get there. And just the, the, the size at six, eight um, is such a difference maker from compared to a Jordan Hawkins. Hawkins, for instance, that's uh, three inches, and uh, the the sight lines are very different up there, <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> someone like Jordan. You can't teach height. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> you, know? you can't. You can't. No, and I do think he has that going for him. So, um, you know, even like with in regards to his finishing at the rim, I think when he's got uh, a head of steam and a clear lane, like he's a little bit bouncier than he get, he'll get credit for. I'm sure that he's going to be referred to as sneaky athletic at some point during his rookie <laughs> season. Uh, but, uh, you know, at, regardless, he, he needs to get stronger, you know, if he is cutting off ball and, you know, Bam Adebayo is meeting him at the rim, you know, yeah. it's going to be a, a different scenario than some of the guys that he – 
fair, uh, fared against in college. You know, I even dating back to high school, I remember when Sunrise Christian was playing IMG and Jairus Walker was waiting for him at the rim. He just kind of bailed and the ball went flying into the stands because he <laughs> kind of got shook a little bit. So I think that yeah. the athleticism in that regard is going to, uh, you know, kind of hamper his ability to to get stuff at the rim early through contact and, and around defenders. But the, the height and I think he's going to be able to put weight onto his frame. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think he's going to be uh, super bulky or anything, but like he's not like the guy who looks like he's going to be scrawny his whole life. I think he'll he'll be strong enough to to deal with some kind of physicality and it'll be a process for him. It'll be something that he's going to have to willingly embrace and and seek mm-hmm. out. But uh, can't teach six, eight. You you can't. And um his his reason his decision making, you have to think that that's gonna get faster over time. And uh yeah, reps. with the yeah, for sure. And with the Raptors and the system that I think they're gonna want to play with the you know point five style, uh get off the ball quickly. Um, I don't think Grady is someone who wants to hold on to the ball very long, anyways. No. Like if it's not no. the, if, it, if the chance isn't there, then he's gonna be moving on into the next action. And that's uh, he really is like a natural fit. Both of the shooters are um in some ways, but Grady himself, because of the Raptors size, is gonna be um yeah, he's well positioned to be a, a great Toronto Raptor just because of his shooting. And even if it is just be a spot up guy, he could probably do that too but defensively how is that going to look in the nba in the early going uh probably really bad <laughs> in yeah. the early in the early going i would say really bad uh just because most rookies even the ones who are good at defense look pretty bad early on like you'll see signs you'll see flashes um but it's the inconsistency of you know having to you know a lot of teams want to play point five basketball now so you know just sure. Just like Toronto, a lot of these teams are are swinging the ball around, have got multiple guys that could uh, handle and are going to put you in pick and roll all over the court. So <clears throat> even the guys who could process the, that end of the ball really quickly tend to, you know, come along slowly on that end. Yeah. It's, there's a lot going on in NBA, NBA offenses. Uh, Grady, you know, this is a guy who's never going to be someone you go – this is our our lockdown guy. Let's put him on our best defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he's going to struggle at the beginning of his career. And, you know, if the Raptors are going to be a team that can live with that early on, and obviously, you know, having the whole squad be six, nine and switchable will, I think, help him. Maybe you could hide him and that'll be the goal early, yeah. but he's going to get targeted. And I, I think teams will find that he's maybe a little bit better on the ball on an Island than he's given credit for, but also they're going to put him in ball screens. And that's where I think he's going to have a lot of issues. Um, yeah with a lot of these quick, shifty, strong NBA guards. Yeah, 6'8", 205 is where he's at right now. Um, not bad numbers necessarily, but uh, the athleticism, getting around screens, like it's just going to be, it's just a lot harder, right? And yeah. if you're not already the best at shuffling your feet, you know, um, that could be a problem for you. Jordan Hawkins, on the other hand, is a bit of a different story, which we'll get to in in a second. But in... Uh, among other NBA shooters that we've seen, like think of like a Kyle Korver, for instance. No, I'm just not naming another white guy for the hell of it. Um, a CJ Miles. You know, those guys are able to, in different ways, they're able to carve out a role that was a little bit more than um, just a spot-up shooter, just a moving guy. Um, and they were able to do that through through years of practice, years of honing. So do you think Grady could be that in, in five years? Is he just a movement shooter? Or is there something like we've seen from Duncan Robinson in these playoffs where we're like, okay, he's putting the ball on the, on the floor. Okay, he's getting to the rim. He's finishing over some bigs. He's making those pocket passes. He's recognizing where the help is and he's finding the open man. Is that 
where he can get to? Does he have that uh, IQ already? I think he is more like Duncan than like a Corver type. Because okay. like Duncan's a good movement shooter, but he's also not like running laps around the court like Kyle Corver was. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the ways that they use Duncan will be like, you know, maybe they'll run him off floppy stuff and he could choose what direction, but it's like preordained and, you know, he, he might come off a DHO and he can make a quick decision or attack down him. But it's all like, within the set within the offense i don't he's not necessarily like creating the chaos in the same way that i feel like kyle corver did like kyle corver created chaos in that you never knew what direction or where he was going to end up on the floor and because yeah. of that you know i think brad stevens said like kyle corver might average 13 points but you have to guard him like he's averaging 30 because he just you always had to be glued and pay attention to him uh, so i feel like grady i don't think he's that kind of movement shooter but i do think that he's a really good movement shooter it's just he's moving less on the floor than a guy like kyle corver did if that kind yeah. of makes sense before the Raptors, you got Washington at eight, you got Utah at nine, Dallas at 10, Orlando 12, OKC. Um, I got those numbers a little mixed up right there. But anyways, Orlando, OKC, Toronto at 13. So um, there are some teams there that could probably use you know, the services of a Grady Dick. I mean, Dallas, right? They could use some shooting like that. Um, sure. That would probably help them. Um, Utah, there's, there's reasons to say for all those teams. However... Um, they could just say, you know what, let's go with a Jordan Hawkins, who is a different kind of movement shooter at 6'5", 195 pounds, but his wingspan, and we know the Raptors love a good wingspan, 6'10 wingspan, if I am correct on that one. How does his shooting compare to a Grady Dix? See, I, I think Hawkins is a little bit more like the Corver, J.J. Redick type yeah. than, um, than Grady is. So mm-hmm. I, I think that there's similarities in that they are shooting and getting themselves open off movement. But I think that, and part of it could be too, that like Jordan Hawkins had that freedom in UConn system in a way that things might've been structured differently in Kansas. Uh, But Jordan Mm -hmm. Hawkins, what is the chaos? He's that guy who is running everywhere on the floor at all times. One of the best conditioned athletes uh, and prospects in this class. And you just have to stay attached to his hip a hundred percent of the time, because if you lose him for a second, he's going to be on the other side of the court and uh, that's going to cause the entire defense to break down. So, yep. uh, I think he's a much more versatile movement shooter than Grady. And that's not, because Grady's bad at it. It's just because I think Jordan's maybe one of the best at it that we've seen in like years. Like I honestly can't even think of the last guy who made his name off movement shooting like this. How does he turn his hips that quickly and get shot ready? It's, it's a different kind of beast than a Grady Dick whose shot is higher. So he's, he has that uh, advantage and also he has quick hands, but Jordan, like he has turned his body, his shot load, um, the way he times his, the pacing of his mechanics when it comes to the ball coming, you're just like, man, this guy is always ready to shoot. Like truly always. Yeah. It's a special thing. And then the motor, um, you can see it also on the defensive end too. There's reason to believe. And I want to get your thoughts on this too, that he could be, you know, guarding from one to three at some point in the NBA because of his effort and just, again, his conditioning. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, he's a little bit slight of frame that I think the th- Guarding threes is going to be tough for him unless mm-hmm. it's like, you know, uh, a team with like a small kind of backcourt frontcourt trio where like the the three is really more like a two, but they're yeah. playing three because the one and the two are a little bit smaller. 
Uh, but uh, definitely ones and twos, his length, he really plays hard on that end. He fights. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes he gets caught flat-footed a little bit, but, uh, you know, he that's an easy fix at the next level, and that's just, like, playing to a scheme. And um, But I, I think that he definitely has that two-way ability where at least, like, you're not going to play him off the floor you know like he and don't get me wrong like in a playoff setting if as a young player yeah he's probably going to get targeted if paul george is on the other side and you know sure. you can get him isolated or something like that but again that's not uh something that is unique to jordan hawkins that's uh a problem for most you know guards that are that are rookies so uh mm-hmm. but his yeah he's i think he's a special special movement shooter and honestly i think he's got a little bit more to his game that um he showed in in flashes and bunches. Like I do think he's got some pull up stuff, and uh, the handle needs to get tighter. But he's young. I, I believe it will. He's he's at least shown the ability to you know create shots for himself. Um, you know with some combo moves and stuff. So I, I do think he has that a little bit more in his bag, and he would be more likely to be a creator out of ISO sets than you know a guy like Grady would. And that's the thing about being, you know, six five versus six eight is that you are smaller, you're a bit more agile, you can get through these little avenues that maybe a Grady Dick could not get through. And with his lightning quick shot, with his pace that he plays with, you can see that being um something that he can probably use in the NBA at some point. But is finishing around the rim, is there some creativity there, or is it mostly like straight line and layup and hopefully it goes in? Definitely some straight line. When he has a straight line, he can actually he'll put you on a poster if he has a, a head of steam. Like he mm. will go and get nasty with you and and really try to yam on you. Um, going right, I think that he's pretty solid. Obviously, the strength issue, like he's getting bumped off the spots. This is definitely things that he needs to work on, and he did get better at it this year in comparison to his freshman season. Going yeah. left, he's kind of a train wreck. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. <laughs> he doesn't look comfortable doing it, so. Uh, Teams are absolutely smart enough to be like, hey, just run him off the line, push him left, and yeah. you know it's going to be a rebound and probably a fast yeah. break opportunity. <laughs> uh, so it's something he has to work on. But uh, I, I mean, it's not going to be a super big part of his game. Uh, I think you know mostly he's going to, at least in you know to start his career, I, I, I think that he's going to be a guy who is not playing 30 minutes a game from the jump. You know, he's going to be a change of pace bench bench guy who's just coming in, trying to get hot for a little while. And then uh, mm-hmm. once he starts, he, you know, puts on weight and um, really understands the speed of the game. I think, you know, it'll be a couple of years, but it'll be a worthy investment, you know, in a couple of years. He just might need a little bit of patience with him. What are your thoughts on this? Because as you were talking, it, it occurred to me that for both these guys, like they were so used to playing, you know, a lot of minutes. And then you go into an NBA role, and I've spoken to a few other people about this when it comes to shooting. And, you know, getting that flow when you aren't starting in the game and you're coming in maybe early second quarter or something like that can be a really hard transition for not just a rookie, but it could be hard for an NBA vet who's all of a sudden coming off the bench. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Is there anything that you think distinguishes between these two? No, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, I think I remember reading a story with Chip England, uh, who's now, you know, he's one of the most legendary shooting coaches in in basketball. He's with OKC now. He was the Spurs shooting Mm. coach forever. And I remember Steve Kerr was saying that uh, when he used to work with Chip, they would, you know, shoot a shot. And then he would have Steve Kerr go and sit down and they would like talk and have a conversation and just about life. And it'd be like 15 minutes. And then he'd be like, all right, get up, go shoot Mm. a rep. And then you go sit down and try to kind of simulate that exact thing that you're talking about where like 
Yeah. Steve Kerr wasn't a guy who needed to get all these reps in because he needed to be able to come in off the bench and have the confidence to, to be a knockdown guy. Um, and it might be a hard transition, uh, especially if, you know, either guy does start off coming off the bench. But I, I think when you're as elite of shooters as these guys are, you could just shoot the ball. And it doesn't yeah. matter if you're starting coming off the bench, you're going to be able to put the ball in the hoop for three points. And um, I, I wouldn't worry about starting or coming off the bench. These guys are going to be elite no matter what their role is. I have a thought to go for you. One shot to win the game, Grady Dick or Jordan Hawkins, who would you prefer taking that shot? It's like kind of a low hanging fruit question, but I just wanted to get your, your thoughts on it because they're so good. So like, what is it that, puts one above the other, if anything, outside of some of the things that we've talked about. I think I would go with Jordan just because I feel like you could probably speed Grady up a little bit more mm. than you can with Jordan. I feel like Jordan is the kind of guy who can like shoot it a little bit easier off balance. Um, and I think he's a little bit more creative when he does have the ball in his hands just in case. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today like for whatever reason you drew an ISO up for either one of these guys. But um, yeah. I, I also think he's a little bit more creative in generating space as a movement guy. So if that's the the kind of play last shot you were drawing up, I'd feel mm. a little bit more confident that Jordan was going to create the the necessary space um, to, to get that off. And if he was stifled on the, the first shot, he could put it on the floor and kind of get himself into a cleaner look on the second look. Yeah. The point of attack defense has been a problem for the Raptors for a little little while now. So there's a reason to believe that just simply because of fit that Jordan Hawkins could be a bit better than a Grady Dick because you have enough guys who can guard, you know, a 6'6 six, six and up. Um, yeah. But having some guys who can, you know, like legit guard six, six, two, six, three. You're not putting Scotty Barnes on a, on an Island right there. You're not putting OG in a bad spot. Now he can like take on some of the stronger matchups um, instead of having to focus on like a Trey Young or something like that. Now you're, you can have someone, you know, a few years down the line that Jordan Hawkins can do that. And he's going to do it at a pretty high caliber level. And then um, I like the idea of having someone who generates more movement just simply by their running, especially with the Raptors that has like a bit of a stagnant offense. And now I'm surely that's going to change, but he is already speeding up the defense. And I like that aspect. Um, and then, you know, over time, especially with whatever the Raptors end up doing with uh, their off season, you would think that it's going to be more of a retool. And so you have some guys there that could probably utilize, you know, some of the space that Jordan Hawkins could create for them. And now just things are a little bit less congested around the rim. Um, again, this is all like, you know, 
how does it look a few years down the line? Because you don't want to put too much on a young fellow like Jordan, although he'll probably tell you that I'm ready to go, coach. <laughs> yeah. <Villanova> at him. <laughs> uh, you know what? Like, I, I think um, the other thing to consider, too, just I, I, I do think that you like people say draft the best talent available. And like, that's uh, obviously like you want to get the best talent, best player available. But like, mm -hmm. you also have to realize that um, especially at this point, part of the draft like part of getting the best player is figuring out if the fit is right yeah um and i i'm not saying that jordan or grady don't fit but i think jordan is a little bit easier to play because you know if og and scotty and pascal are on the floor um you know then grady is I don't know. Is he guarding twos? Um, you yeah. know, like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. what position does he guard in in this lineup? Unless he's coming off the bench and and meshing in there, where at least Jordan, like you can have him guard one of the backcourt spots a little bit cleaner, playing next to all these guys who are kind of these versatile swing wing power wing guys. So I, yeah. you know, sometimes you do also have to take in the fact you're not just building a roster; you are building a team. Um, if it is indeed a retool, if it's a rebuild, obviously you kind of wipe the slate and be like, who do we think is the best player? And these guys aren't going to be here, uh, in next year, two years from now, whatever, and let's just get the best player. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how the, the, the Raptors roster also looks going forward in that regard. Ain't that the truth. Dan Tolzman is going to be doing an availability tomorrow um, for the Toronto Raptors. This will be going out on the day that the availability is. Now, usually with these, we don't get many details. Nothing is revealed, but who knows? Maybe Dan slips up. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> um, but other than that, I mean, with a Kobe Bufkin and a Keontae George. So I mentioned these two because been reports that both of them have kind of sort of been told maybe by the Toronto Raptors that, you know, there's a draft promise there at number 13 for them. Now, you know, there's been some rumors around Kobe Bufkin. Um, could he go higher? Absolutely. And that could be the player, as I mentioned earlier, that the Raptors are trying to move up and get. Keontae George, on the other hand, has had his draft stock fall a little bit, but um, he's had some good moments. And certainly, you know, he lost some weight, a bit more athletic. He had a good showing at Global Gym um, last season, and I'm sure the Raptors saw that. And he kind of fits the Raptors just with their identity, and they love Baylor dudes. But let's start with Kobe. Is is he going to fall to 13? I got to – I don't think so. You know, it's always interesting this time of year uh, when you start hearing about promises. And, to you know, I know that there was a report that he got promised by Toronto that came out, I, I believe, today as, as we're recording, which lines up with what I had heard um, about three or four days before that, that that's where I heard Kobe's promise was. With that said um, – you don't know who the promise rumor is coming from. It could be coming from his agent to draw up interest to be like, oh, I want to use this yeah. floor as a way to get him to, you know, pick eight, pick nine, wherever, a, a little bit higher up. Uh, I think what I've learned about the draft is I'm never going to say anything definitively and, other than like Victor's <laughs> going one, <laughs> you know, like the, <laughs> the NBA draft is about uh, smoke screens and unpredictability. I mean, Raptors fans have to know that firsthand, you know, in 2021, uh, I was in the building for the draft and everybody there was expecting Jalen Suggs to hear his name called. And then it was Scotty Barnes. And uh, I, I believe that, you know, that was a surprise to most people that night. So, you know, I don't know if the Raptors are necessarily the organization that lets, you know, 
things slip that easily either. There's a chance Kobe's going to be there. I mean, I I think Kobe's awesome. I have him uh, on my personal board higher than where the Raptors are picking. So, like, Mm. uh, I, I... think there would be good reason for him to already be gone but with that said I also have Keontae there and you know everybody's board is different and every team could love Kobe but if they love one player more and that guy's on the board that they weren't expecting all of a sudden Kobe could fall down he could to to the Raptors pick just based on oh I wasn't you know let's say uh Bilal Koulibaly goes in the top 10 and then um some team gets crazy and decides to swing on Gigi Jackson because they fell in love with him in an open gym. And like now all of a sudden (laughs) people that you didn't expect somebody's going to fall. We'll see. Should Kobe fall that far? I don't think so. Um, But it's possible that he's there. Who do you think does take him? Um, And also we haven't talked about case and walls too much. I mean, I've done so much case and walls content over the past little while. He is another name in this, in this factor, (laughs) right? And he's been linked to Washington. I do believe maybe I'm wrong on this, but he's done two workouts, Washington and Toronto. And I don't know if he's done much more after that. Um, I know he shut it down after Washington. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Whether he did. Uh, I like Kaysen. I saw him live. Um, obviously, the defense rocks. I saw him against UCLA, and he was really quiet. I think one of the problems that he had this year was inconsistency. Mm. Um, in talking to somebody who played against him, uh, you know, the scattering. I asked him to give a scattering report on a bunch of players. Kaysen was one of those guys. Said uh, the first time around, he was really, really impressed by him. wasn't really missing. He didn't expect it. Um, but mm. his confidence and his consistency really need work because he was really bad the next game. Um, and he was like, a lot of people, including myself, don't really understand why he's getting hyped up like he is, but I guess it's because he's good at a lot of things, even if he's not great at one thing, even though I think he's great, a great defender. Um, yeah. But even, but that's exactly what I saw. Like, you know, a, a bunch of games you'll be like, this is one of the best players on the floor. And then there are games where you're like, this guy's invisible and he doesn't want to shoot and mm. you know, what value is he bringing? So maybe, but there's always the Kentucky bump and maybe the, you know, an NBA <laughs> offense frees that up a little bit, you know, who knows? He does his job. He's solid. He's not going to bust. He's one of the safest players in the draft. It wouldn't shock me if he ended up a top five player in this class. It wouldn't shock me if he was like a top 15 player in this class. Yeah. I think that's just it is that as we're all talking about roles and like, what are the things that are missing on our roster? You could say, well, Cason Wallace is probably going to fit on most teams just because he plays defense point of attack is awesome. The three point shooting will probably, you know, get better, especially if he's playing with some, you know, some high usage players, kick out pass he's there and he makes a shot like that. All kind of stuff does matter. But with the Kobe Bufkin, I mean, I've heard that he is kind of a flawless player to a degree. Like you can't pinpoint one thing where you're just like, he's got to get better at that other than, you know, get stronger, which everyone does. So do I. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Kobe doesn't have, a, he doesn't have a ton of weaknesses. Um, yeah. And I, I, but he also doesn't get talked about. Like he has like really advanced strengths and I don't think that's fair to him either. Because hmm. he's an elite finisher. I mean, he was 71% as a finisher, as a guard, and then 67% in the half court, which is, like, yeah. insane. You know, uh, you know, for comparison, Damn. Brandon Miller was 40% in the half court. On mm-hmm. You know, like, so um, uh, Kobe's an amazing finisher, uh, really smooth. I guess you could say that he does have to prove that he is a consistent three-point shooter, but, like, sometimes you got to trust your eyes, right? And, like, 
that yeah. dude could shoot it. Um, it'll just be about confidence with him. Measured in taller than people were expecting him at the combine. Um, so he's tall. He's pretty long. Uh, like you say, he's got to get stronger, but like he plays with pace, he's solid. He's got the mid range game. And I think one of the things for me, uh, like when I did my podcast episode on him, um, we were, I was like, I think he's a point guard. So like, you know, he's not you getting do. these. Yeah. Like I, the, uh, he's showing all these playmaking flashes and the numbers aren't like, they don't, they wouldn't indicate it, but like, he's also playing one in an offense where they're just dumping the ball to Hunter Dickinson a lot. Uh, and then two, like he's sharing ball handling duties with guys who are shorter than him that are point guards by uh, just the fact that, you know, they have to be point guards cause they're shorter. Sure. So like, I think if he was given the ball full time and was allowed to make all of the decisions, like he'd have been above five assists per game and he would have shown like, Oh, I'm a primary ball handler type guy. So like, I, I think, he is one of these guys we look back now and I mean, I don't want to invoke the name Shay because he's turned himself into like a 30 point per game scorer. But like, if anybody was going to have that kind of like SGA type of explosion, I yeah. do think it might be Kobe Bufkin. I hear you with that. The, how smooth he is, the pace he plays with, he kind of controls the game by just simply being able to bend defense and the paint touches, which is something that funny enough last year, it was Shea at uh, team Canada availability. He's like, the key is just to touch that box. And he was talking about the paint. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Kobe's going to probably be able to do that. And you think about what he would be when he's playing alongside NBA players versus college players, because his feel is already that good. Those passing angles, um, just having other players that have that like mind and um, are thinking the same way that he does, how much is going to open up for him offensively. Yeah. Yeah. And and as a passer too, um, I, I I really really like Kobe Bufkin. But why wouldn't Washington, especially after what just happened, the trade that happened? Why wouldn't they take him? Like you could say, now that that happened, now why would you take a case in Wallace? It doesn't make much sense for them because they are rebuilding. But a Kobe Bufkin, someone that you could probably say that you know I wouldn't be that surprised if he scored twenty points per game one day in the NBA. That's just me talking. Um, why wouldn't you go with him? You know. Why wouldn't they go with him? Why wouldn't Dallas go with him? I mean, he he could, I yeah. think, one day fall into, like, I mean, obviously Kyrie, we, we don't know what's going to happen there. We'll have more clarity in a couple of weeks. But, like, isn't it pretty easy to envision him in that Jalen Brunson role alongside Luka, you know, down the line? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Orlando, I think, you know, I, I do think Markel Fultz is their point guard, but he's a guy that I think could share the backcourt uh, with Kobe Bufkin and mm -hmm. Bufkin could play that combo guard role and kind of take some of the reins and, you know, is long and athletic and has good feel and that matches what they do. I think OKC uh, could tell. So you're right. Like it, it would be kind of surprising if he's there, but the draft is surprising. So there's, there's always a chance. All right. So what about Keontae George? Yeah. Um, where do you land on him? I still love Keontae, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm a I'm still really high on Keontae. I have him at six on my personal board still. Um, I, I know the the shooting percentages um are worrisome in that you're like, you know, in a struggle with inefficiency. Uh, I think the end of the year really hurt him. He he had an ankle injury that that really hampered him. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the things that uh, I love about Keontae, and he definitely has to reel in his shot selection all the players I've talked to, they're like, look, his confidence is on a thousand. Like he, 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 he's the guy, like he knows he's yeah. the guy when he's on the court, he has that yep. air about him. Um, 
And when he misses shots, it doesn't often feel like he's missing because a defender made him miss. You know, it often feels like he's missing because he just missed the shot. And it, it it's like if he just reels in his shot selection a little bit, which I think he would do at the next level, um, especially early on in his career when he's, you know, being coached to like, this is what you could take. This is what you can't take. And he's yeah. not the best player on the floor necessarily. I think that you're going to see those percentages go way up. And I think he's going to be the guy that um, if he falls, we look back and it's almost a Tyrese Maxey situation where it's like, this is a guy who was really highly touted, was a little bit inefficient in college. Clearly, though, if you bought the eye test, he was a guy that he was going to hit shots. He was going to get to the rim. He had all mm. that in his bag, and it translated because the NBA game is a little bit more his style. Keontae, the NBA game is a little more his style. And the other thing I love about Keontae is that I don't look at him as this guy who has to play on the ball. For me, yeah. one of the reasons that I love Keontae George's game is that I think there's some Jamal Murray in him in that he could play off of other initiators. And if you're not using him in that way, you're not maximizing his offensive potential because he's another movement shooter that I think is really good, really mm. crafty, and that you always have to pay attention to no matter where he is on the floor. He played off of a, a few other talented guards at Baylor. Um, and the, the issue there was that he was like the tallest of the, the two guards. You know, you yeah. put him uh, with a guy like Scotty as a playmaker. And now, you know, we're we're getting to find an interesting scenario and how he could really maximize his talent. So I'm a big believer in his ability. I don't, I just think it's hard to find guys who have as much skill as he does. And now he's obviously, he lost like, I don't know, 15, 20 pounds or something like that since the draft, he's in unbelievable shape. Uh, I think he's, I think he's got star potential still. Yeah. Uh, Raphael Barlow has also mentioned the similar kind of thing. Um, I'm on a Don. She did a podcast with him um, the other day, actually. And uh, he had said that, you know, Keontae George, he may have gotten something of a promise from the Toronto Raptors um, that if they are drafting at number 13, that he would be taken if he's still on, on the board. And what you said about, you know, the Baylor system, and that is something that people, I think, kind of forget is it okay i mean he put on all this weight but maybe he was sort of doing it because he's going to be you know playing the four or playing the three and then you know season ends and he takes off all the weight because he views himself as the scorer and this is where he wants to be um this is like the weight that he wants to play and that mm. has to be a factor in what we look at and man the tools like the three level scoring and just that bucket getter mentality that he has things you can't really teach no. you really can't teach that and then also he's pretty effective defensively too he, I, that's the thing. He's really underrated defensively. Like yeah. you would think that a guy who's like as buckety in style as he is Love would be like, un, like undis- <laughs> buckety would be undisciplined. <laughs> you would think he would be like an undisciplined sloppy defender. He has some of the mm-hmm. best defensive fundamentals of any guard in this class. And, um, I, when I did, we did our film breakdown on him at, at no ceilings. Uh, I, I would just isolate his clips. Like his closeouts are as textbook as you could get choppy feet, high hands, like forcing a guy to a side, uh, as a weak side help defender. He is like always in the right spot. He's willing to give up his body. He's always taking charges. Um, Mm -hmm. his rotations there are, are terrific. Like he's young. He was a freshman. Obviously he's not perfect. Um, and sometimes, you know, maybe he's, uh, he'd, have a possession where he looked a little lazy of course that happens with just about every defender if you isolate clips but on the whole he knows where to be um he has the talent he could really get skinny over screens he's strong he's long uh he's got good anticipation um 
on contests. Like I think that he has, if he wants to be, he could be a a, a high end two way guy. Uh, based on the fact that I think you know he can guard either guard spot and and I think he's got the frame, uh, to where you would live with him being switched on to like a three. Like I don't think it's your yeah. your ideal situation, but if he has to be on an island, like he's not going to back away from that challenge and he's not going to be super overmatched physically the way, uh, you know, some other guards might be. Certainly. And um, you just like that compete level. That is half the battle in some of these uh, some of these situations where you do end up on, you know, a much bigger player. I think Gabe Vincent taking on Nikola Jokic. Some of those matchups are ridiculous. Like, but yeah. he was trying like hell. And that's yeah. what you want. Yeah. Um, I just love the idea of having Kobe or Keontae because of the self-creation ability. I think the Raptors have really missed that, especially from the perimeter. Um, certainly they want to have a much more up-tempo offense, but sometimes, you know, lay shot clock, five seconds left, six seconds left. You need someone that you can throw the ball to and that can just get downhill and just get, you know, a good shot off. And, you know, in the past, obviously it's been Pascal Siakam. We hope one day that Scotty Barnes could be that guy, but I'm not even sure if that's like necessarily his best suited role because of everything that he has, but being able to work off of someone like Keontae, someone like Kobe, that is where it gets really special. Like a, a two man game where, you know, both those guys have like a nice mid range game. Um, you could see them being able to make that pocket pass, as I mentioned, to a Scotty Barnes who's rolling to the basket. And uh, there's this versatility with them. And you think that they're going to be able to attack if you know teams decide to switch. They're going to get downhill on some of those bigger players, which you just love to see. Have not seen enough of that from the Toronto Raptors. In your crystal ball, if all four of these guys are available and the Raptors are retooling, they're not rebuilding because everything, as you mentioned, everything changes at that point. Grady Dick, Jordan Hawkins, Kobe Bufkin, Keontae George, who is a person that you think that could probably help the Raptors the most? And it's it's difficult because probably something is going to change with the Raptors. But anyways, I pose it to you. Yeah. Um, if they're retooling, you know what? I, I just think Keontae is the best player available. Yeah. I, I think he's a guy who can come in and contribute right away. And I think he's a guy that has the potential to be a star, but uh, the distance and the gap is not that much between him and Kobe Bufkin for me. Um, and and Kobe Bufkin is a guy uh, who I think also is going to have a transition just because physically, you know, he needs to get stronger and to handle the physicality. But um, he's probably the safer of the two options, still with a lot of high end upside. Um, sure, but yeah, I do think Keontae is the type of guy who you could be like this. This is our you know, potential number two guy in a deep playoff run who could swing a series for us. Damn. Bobby Webster was on the radio last week and he said, we're going to go for best available, high character, positional size, two A player, a Raptors type player. That's a direct quote. Um, I could see Kobe fitting that and I could definitely see Keontae fitting that. Uh, and again, the Raptors connection to that Baylor system. How many guys have they grabbed from there just to give them a tryout? Just give them a feel because they like the mentality. Chris Boucher is on the roster. There's a few other names, Freddie Gillespie, although he's not with the Raptors anymore. But they brought him in because, again, of uh, what they've seen from that Baylor system and the kind of players that are churned out. That's a terrible word to use, churned out. <laughs> hey, they, <laughs> anyway. Scott Drew, uh, he churns out some players. <laughs> he does. All right, man, this was really, really fun. Uh, thanks so much. Anything you want to mention before we wrap up? I know you got a couple of big days coming up. Big days. We're going to have a, a a live draft show on No Ceilings uh, YouTube channel. Um, 
The big thing is we released our 2023 official draft guide. It's uh, 18,000 plus words, 120 pages. There are player comparisons, scouting reports, background information, uh, advanced stats and analytics. It's uh, a wealth of information if you want to, you know, get caught up on any part of the draft, you know, from the first guy in Victor Wembanyama all the way down to like the Ooh. 60th guy who probably won't even you know, get drafted potentially. So uh, there's something for everybody. And, um, you know, that's a big thing. You can get that at noceilingsmba.com. Go to store. It's $10. Everything else on the No Ceilings website is completely free. So if you want to learn about a player, all you got to do is search the name in the search bar. And we have written about them probably multiple times. How about that hat? Where can people get that hat? Yeah. Same exact place as the draft guide. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Beautiful. No ceilings. I like it. For those listening, um, Corey's wearing a no ceilings hat. I like the colors, you know, the white, orange, very vibrant, yes. punches you in the face. It's beautiful. Child of Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you very soon. Corey, you're awesome. All right. Thanks for having me. <laughs>